you have a handout, look at that, and if you would, open your Bibles to uh, John 1. We're going to look at, in the whole area of ideal communication, um, the obvious, I think, the most important and the ideal communication uh, is the gospel. Uh, Jesus Christ declares of himself that he is the word. We think about Christmas, and when we think about the Christmas message or the Christmas passages in the gospels, sometimes we might overlook the book of John, um, we, we know that um, there's so much um, contained by the prophet uh, Isaiah. We know there's a, a tremendous amount of coverage in, in Matthew and in Luke. But sometimes we forget John. I don't think you would, but I'm just reminding us today that right here in John chapter 1 is, a, is really um, an incarnation story, a gospel um, story, and yet it's... It's part and parcel of who we are and what we should do when it comes to communication, of being those people who communicate effectively. God's ideal in communication includes that we would be sharers of the gospel, that, 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 our, that our sharing would be based on an understanding of what God says about himself so that we can communicate that accurately and well with other people. And so I want us to look at that and, and help us and encourage us. Look there, if you would, at John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that came into being. In him was life, And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Many times we stop there, when even we're talking about Christmas, but we're going to extend two verses. Um, I'm not going to do an exposition of this whole chapter. That would take me three months, but we are going to talk in depth a little bit to lay a foundation. Look at verse 6. There came a man sent from God. Okay, so not to be confused, who is this man that's being sent from God? John the Baptist. Okay, so this is not referring to the word. This is not referring to Christ. This is referring to John the Baptist now. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, note, He came as a witness. Notice he came to testify. Look what it says. He came to witness and to testify about the light. You notice in your um, various translations, I would assume all of them have the word light in capitalized, right? Because the light is referring to who? Jesus Christ. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. When you think about the word witness, when you think about the word testify, it's communication, isn't it? 
We're talking about communication. God's ideal in communication is to witness and testify about the light. Why? So all might be saved. Pretty clear. Look at verse 14. The incarnation then. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see here God's ideal in in communication. As we go about our daily lives, we should uh, remember, I I put there a portion of 2 Corinthians 6 in your handout. Behold, now is the favorable time, or now is is the day, Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's always a good time to share Christ with somebody else. It's always a good time to communicate the gospel or a portion of the gospel um, to somebody to somebody else. And so this is who we are and what we what we do as people. I want you to note in verse six that there was a man that was sent. God's in descending business, and he was sent from God. And notice in context, we said that it is John the Baptist, and he, and he sent to be a witness. He was the witness by all means. There's no question that it was more than just witness with his mouth. It's, it's, it was the witness with his life, and in fact, he would witness with his life being such that he would even be martyred and give his life for the gospel. And so he was to be a witness, and as a witness, though, he was to testify. He was to use words. He was to communicate. And very specifically, you see there in verse 7, he was to testify about the light. John 8.12 says, Then Jesus came, spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows after me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. One of the I am's in the book of John, Jesus declares he is the light. We saw here, as we read in John, that John the Baptist was to testify of the light. That light is Christ. He, he came to shine light into our darkness. And he did that so that we might believe through him, through his work, verse 7. And so the word, this light, became flesh, dwelled among us, and he died for us. And he left us what we call the great what? The great commission. I mean, when you listen to this, can you hear the echoes of the, of the great um, commission? Uh, I would hope that you do. You can, I'm sure you know there, but... If you'd like, turn to Matthew 28, and let's just look at it and, and think of it in terms of communication, God's ideal in communication, and how here God sent John, and he gives us a prescription about communicating and what we're to communicate. And now here's Jesus himself, the, the God-man, the God in the flesh. He is now, um, he's now grown up. He's now walked a sinless, perfect life, the life that you and I should have walked 
and didn't walk and couldn't walk and and he paid the penalty of the sin of all those who would believe dying on a cross he was buried and on the third day rose again ascended to his father appeared to hundreds of of people so there's no question of the authenticity of his resurrection he walked among the people and now he's getting ready to ascend to his father and he gives this instruction the same instruction that when he sent john that he gives to us now his disciples and it's in matthew 28 18 then jesus came up and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth now think about that all authority When you go back to John 1, he said that in the beginning he was the word and by him were all things created in heaven and in earth. Colossians 1.19 tells us the same thing. He is the creator God. This creator God became a man, a God-man. He died for us and he now has all authority, yes, to forgive sin included. And he says, I have been given all all authority in heaven and earth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so now we're to be like John the Baptist. We're we're to be Witnesses, we're sent by Jesus. We're sent by Jesus to do the same thing. We're sent to witness and to testify. Of what? Of the light. Uh, of the gospel. Of the, of, of the gospel light. We are to be lights in the world. Jesus said exactly that when he's preaching about the kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount, didn't he? You're familiar with the verses, Matthew five sixteen. Let your light shine. And once you receive Christ, now you have the light in you, and we're to let our light shine in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Ephesians 5.8 says this, For you were formerly darkness, or in dark, but now you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. Philippians, you know that the, the great um, passage that we Love, it's also another uh, Christmas um, passage. Let this mind be in you, which is always in Christ Jesus, and talks about him coming and being formed and found and fashioned as a man and humbling himself even, even to death, the death of the cross, and then how he is resurrected and God will give him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then he says to us the same kind of commission in Philippians 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work of his good pleasure, Do all things without grumbling and disputing so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Listen, children of God above reproach in the middle of a crooked 
and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. When you are different than everybody else putting a gingerbread house together, you're different when there's 10 gingerbread houses and there's only one winner and nobody's throwing tomatoes and booing. You're different when you lose. You're different when you win. You're different if you get into an accident and the insurance covers you or the insurance doesn't cover you. You're different when you go to the dentist to have a root canal and sometimes you'll even, be, by the grace of God, sleep through a root canal because of the prayers of God's people and then you don't talk about how good you are. You talk about how good what? He is. There's, there's a witness of the light that's in us that's not us, but it's him. His spirit dwelling in us and bearing fruit for the glory, for the glory of Christ. That's who we are. And I refuse to assume that everybody that sits here is saved, number one. I refuse to assume that if by the grace of God you've been saved, you actually know how to articulate the gospel in a clear way. My job is to, among many things, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so one of God's ideal communication is knowing how to communicate the gospel. So that's what we're going to talk about. And you've got to know the gospel before you can effectively share it. Does that make sense? And so that's what I want us to look at for the next three weeks. And uh, trust it will be um, a blessing to you and a help to you. And we're going to give you some homework and you're going to hopefully help me with this. So look back at your sheet. I left some words that are blank there. And you could fill them in or you don't have to. But when we, when we talk about or we hear people say words, um, I was listening to some of the words that Doug used, um, just as an example. What are, what are words that people use to when they refer about to somebody's salvation or their own? What are, what are some of the words that you hear or that you use. It's important that we're familiar with that and that we're good listeners of that. What would be some of those words? You understand what I mean? All right, I'll take the first one. I might say, I'm saved. Okay, that, so you could write that down. I'm, I, I'm saved. And so then the question would be, could I go back to a text and could I, could I figure out what that means from a text of Scripture? So I, I could go to Romans 10, 13, and, and I could see what it means to be saved for so, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Okay, so saved would, would be a, a, a biblical word that, that describes salvation. What are some other biblical words that describe salvation? Born again, right? You hear people say, I'm, I, I'm born again. We could go to John 3, 3 through 8, and then three sixteen through 18, and, and we could see all about being born again. And, and that would mean the, 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 main, the same thing biblically as somebody that's saved. And so you might hear one person say one word, another person is another. We need to be familiar with these words. So just because a person says, I'm saved, does that mean I'm saved? Not necessarily. Just because a person says, I'm born again, does that mean I'm born again? Listen, when Jimmy Carter was president, by the time he got through being president, everybody in America that went to church was a born-again Christian. Because he, just, he, he made that popular. Now, now, I'm not putting down Jimmy Carter. 
Uh, he probably one of the godliest men that has ever been in the White House, for all I know. Uh, but my point is, is that we need to know these words if we're going to share, and we n- need to know how to connect, because a great thing is, when somebody says to you, I'm born again, is to look for an opportunity to say, would you, born again, that's, that's interesting that you would use that phraseology. Would you mind showing me from the Bible what you mean by that? Uh, you can get to do an interesting conversation then, couldn't, couldn't you? And, and that would be a natural thing because they're the one that used the word. Does that make sense? Do you see where I'm going w- with that? What are some other words besides saved and born again? Forgiven. forgiven. Somebody might say I'm forgiven. Well, that's interesting. You know, you can see where you could take that very quickly. What are you forgiven of? How, how did that happen, Right? Other words, repent, repent and believe. Okay, very good. Anything else? I'm a believer. People say that all the time, right? How about converted? I've been converted. Or um, I've received Christ. Or I've accepted the Lord. I'll be honest with you, I don't like the word... I've accepted the Lord. It's, it's, on, it's on shaky ground biblically. And what, what I, I, I know what most people mean when they say that, but um, the only place you're going to be able to even come close to finding the word accepted might be in 2 Corinthians 6.2, and it's talking about the accepted time for salvation. It, it doesn't say accepted. The biblical words are, I receive Christ. Uh, as an example, uh, we just uh, read... In John 1, if we went further, there it would have said, as many as receive him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. And so receiving is, a, is another one. Regenerate, right? Or regeneration. I've been regenerated. Um, so saved, I gave you Romans 10, 13, born again. I mentioned that. Converted, Matthew if you care to look at that up. Regeneration or regenerated. Titus 3.5, talking about the Holy Spirit bringing us to life and washing us with the regeneration. Uh, Receiving Christ, John 1.12 and 13. Uh, Again, if you use accepted, it would have to come from 2 Corinthians 6.2, talking about this is the accepted time. Behold, now is the time for salvation. Trusted Christ, Ephesians 1, 12, 13, 12 and 13. Believed on Christ, or I'm a believer, John 3, 18, um, and John 8, 30 through 31. Some people will see, will say, I was baptized and joined the church. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Okay, now listen, that is... That could be solid, but I've lived long enough to know that could be really shaky. So that's, that would be one I'm usually asking questions. So if you look at Matthew 28, 19, which we just read, or Acts 2, 41 through 42, um, you can see why someone might say that, and it might be accurate. Let me tell you a story as we go into this. Um, I'm going to say two stories. One recently... I had a situation where I was somewhere. People who I would make every assumption know the gospel, believe the gospel, or live the gospel, 
and um, if I were doing their a funeral tomorrow, I would be at peace that they're in heaven with Jesus. But I'm telling you, you never take anything. And um, there was a, a joke said, and, and I recognize that um, you can be you can be so stiff that um, you're no good to anybody and anything. I don't want to be that person. But you know, when it comes to the gospel, heaven and hell is at stake. That's a pretty big deal. Like, there's nothing bigger on the face of the earth. And in just a, in a funny, casual conversation, a, a person said to me, well, um, I, when I get to heaven, um, I think Kampanoff um, clawed the, uh, the, the song, um, I Want a Mansion, uh, or a Mansion Over the Hilltop. He said, I don't deserve any mansion, so I'm not going to get a mansion. He said, but I'll be happy with a mud hut. Now, he was just kidding, right? I don't know. I don't know if he's just kidding. Let me ask you a question, because I want to help all of us. Does anybody here deserve a mud hut in heaven? We, We deserve hell. It would be the most glorious thing in the world to have a mud hut in heaven. Because I don't know what a mud hut in heaven would look like, but it would be perfect. And the only way you get to heaven is through the door of Jesus Christ. And so when someone says, I don't deserve a mansion, I'd say, amen, you don't, me neither. What I deserve is a mud hut. Do you see why a red flag would go up in my mind? Probably just a joke, probably just a kidding, but but you stop there and you open that up a little bit. Why? Because you're being technical? No, because you love people. And there was a man sent by God, his name was Larry. And he was sent here to witness and testify about what? About the light that all people might believe. I've been called to that. You can put your name in there. You have been called into that. And so the gospel is important. I was in another home with what I would assume to be a godly couple. There would be nothing I would know about this couple's life that would tell me that they weren't godly people. And in that situation, they were older, um, in their mid to late 70s, um, whew, that's how old I am. <laughs> Anyhow, um, in just a casual conversation in, in their living room, I asked them to share what I'm going to be asking you to work on. I asked them to share their testimony. We need to be good listeners when people share their testimony. They, they both shared their testimony. They loved doing it. They, were full, they seemed like they were full of joy, smiles on their face. All of those words that I just got through saying to you, I never heard one time. I never heard born again. I never heard saved. I never heard believer. I never heard regenerated. I never heard um, confess. I, I, I converted. None of them. The only thing I heard was I was baptized and joined the church. And so I thought to myself, is it possible that they don't know the gospel. You don't want to be offensive. Heaven and hell hangs in the balance, doesn't it? 
What does it say in Matthew 7? There'll be many in that day that say, Lord, Lord, did I not go to church, help little old ladies across the street, help Samaritan's Purse, give to the missions fund? And he'll say to me, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye cursed. The most horrifying words anybody will ever, ever hear. And so that drove me to this. I simply said to them, has anybody ever shown you from the Bible what God declares is necessary to be right with him, to be saved. I don't remember the exact words. And they looked at me and they said, well, that's funny. All, all of these years, no one's ever even asked me that question. So, no, I, I guess really no, nobody has. And so I said, would you like to go out to the kitchen table and sit around the table and let me just show you what God says? And they were as excited as kids at a candy shop. All right? They went and they got their Bibles. And we sat at that table and, and we went through the gospel, the gospel truths, and laid them out for them to see. I'd have them read the verses. And do you know, when I got through doing that, the man, the husband, looks at the wife and says, call her names, Honey, we need to be saved. And she says, You're right. And they looked at me and said, We want to be saved. How can we be saved? And I said, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I think you just were. <laughs> but, but you don't say that, you know. And, and so that's the exercise of faith, right? God regenerated. God opened blind eyes to see that they were lost and apart from him. And I said, well, well, why don't we just go back into the living room and, and you can just pray to receive Christ and, and tell the Lord that you, that you love them. Yeah, let's do that. And they went into, I never suggested the prayer. I never, that was all them. That's the spirit of God. We went in. We, we kneeled on the floor, and, and I said, you, you pray. Just tell God what, what's, what's in your hearts. And they, and they did. They both, they both prayed, and then I prayed and closed. And, and we had a sweet celebration. One week later, that man was in heaven. One week later, that man was in heaven. To this day, every time I think about it, it scares me. God's ideal in communication is the gospel because there is nothing else that matters. Listen to me, there's nothing else that matters. In comparison, everything else is down here someplace. So we need to be sharers of the gospel. We can't share what we don't know. And we could know something, but still have a hard time communicating it. And, and so that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to look and we're going to try to make sure that we understand how to communicate the gospel. So I want to go to the next thing. I'll start here next week so we pick up, but there's pillars of the gospel. There's a lot of ways to share the gospel. It's the Spirit of God that opens man's eyes. It's not a formula. 
but it's good for you to know pillars and something that anchors in your mind. And so most gospel-orientated people would probably understand these four pillars. I just want to make sure you do. So we got, we got four pillars there that we would need to include if we're sharing the gospel. And you always start with God. You always start with God. In the beginning, who? God. It's the first pillar. And we'll talk, what do I mean by that? But the, but the first pillar is God. And then the, the second pillar is, is man. And, and, and until you share about God and about his holiness and about the fact, Brother Jim, that he is the creator, uh, I'll say it simply like this. He who made the game gets to decide what the rules are. And this is his game. Heaven and earth, he created it all. And he's what else? He's holy. He's the creator. He's the holy one. And he's the one that gets to make the rules. And when we go to man, then we, we, we just share how man, including this man, has broken not just one of his rules, but all of his rules. We've broken them. And so man stands in judgment. And so we discuss that. And, and, and you're presenting the great, uh, the great danger that a man is. Have you ever read um, Wesley's uh, sermon? Um, it's, it's an old one. Um, but he, he talks about how we're on like a, um, a trapeze net and that's the only thing that's holding us, and the flames are licking at that net right, uh, right, right now. It's a, it's, it's an amazing sermon from yesteryear. But you, you talk about the danger that man is in. We always want to read and quote John three sixteen, but we stop there. And when you go to John seventeen and eighteen, it says. Because we haven't believed, we are condemned already. You stand condemned. And you're condemned until God puts you in the Lamb's book of life. And he only does that through the preaching of the gospel. So we have the pillars. We have God. We have man. What's the answer? Who's the door? Who's the light? It's Christ, right? Christ is the answer. So we declare Christ. And We'll talk about what all that means. And then when those three things are shared, then that demands a response. Maybe it's a response of faith. Maybe it's a response of rebellion. But it, but it will demand a, a response. And so those are, the, those are the tenets, if you would, of the gospel. Now look at the questions. Because next week I want you to come back. You can think this week in homework. What are some scriptures that articulate the gospel? Start with, can you, can you come up with one, with, with some scriptures that would maybe only just be like one scripture or two? And then, you know, go ahead and look at, at, at a bunch. But if you were going to communicate the gospel and use the scripture, exactly where would you go? I mean, you wouldn't just take and, and, and open up just to any old passage in Leviticus, would you? I, I, I mean, that would be really hard Try to explain progressive revelation to somebody that's lost and dead and trespasses and sins, right? So there, there has to be a, a sense of where you're going to go. So I want you to look at that. 
And then I want you to think and perhaps even write it out. How would you articulate concisely your salvation testimony so that it's a witness? One of the ways that we witness and testify is to be able to share our testimony. Now listen to me for a moment. When we're together as believers, we give the long version, and because our eyes have been opened, we, we see God's sovereign act and all the little things that occurred. But when we're speaking to lost people, they're dead. Once I was lost, and now I'm fine. Once I was what? Blind. They don't care about all those little details, and none of those little details are going to bring them to Christ. What's going to bring them to Christ? God. Man. Christ. Responds. And so, how do I craft a short testimony that I can give in three or four minutes, maybe five minutes, um, so that I would be able to share that over a cup of coffee during break at work or, or wherever that might lead to another conversation. So write that out if you would this week. Maybe use bullet points. And then I'm going to ask some of you to share that next week. Take three to five minutes and, and, and share as we, over the next couple of weeks, look at this thing, the gospel, and how we would declare it. If you'd like to, I wrote down in some detail how you could be sure to help your assurance. I maybe have unsettled you. If you're unsettled right now, it wasn't me. It was the Spirit of God. If you're unsettled, don't run from that. Don't be afraid of that. Come and get help. One of the things you could do is look through these points that we have written down there and consider them, and they, and they will help you. And we're going we're gonna to look at at all of that over the next two or three weeks, and then we'll conclude, believe it or not, speaking a little bit about the art of listening, because part of being a good communicator, communicating even the gospel, is listening well. And we want to look specifically about those three things that I have up there. How do we be a witness to our families and friends at Christmas, now that we understand the gospel and how to articulate it? How do we be a witness in a hostile workplace? And how do we be witness as we live our lives at home and in the world around us? And so we still have a couple more weeks to cover that. Maybe we'll spill over into the new year a week. I don't know. I don't want to make um, this extended and long, but, but I want to help us all. It, it, it's helped me to be more gospel sensitive just starting to study this and thinking the responsibility is mine. I, I hope it will. This is a wonderful time of the year, and people are more... Um, open to a gospel conversation this time of year than perhaps any other time of year. And so if we could sort of get our engines started again in that direction, it would help carry us into, into, the, into the rest of the year. Um, pray that the Lord would bring somebody in your path this week that you can share Christ with. And if, and if that happens, even if you don't get to share the whole gospel, even if you only get to share one piece and they cut you off, uh, bring it back and, 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 and tell us about your experience. Amen? Father, as we go into the world, you sent us. You have equipped us to one degree or another. Would you now empower us um, that we might be um, the light in the world that you've called us to be for your glory and for the salvation of souls. In Jesus' name I pray. You are dismissed.